morning, everybody. Good morning, everybody. And there's, um, there's before and after pictures that we see, right? So go ahead and show those. There's a before and after picture. Here's a before and after picture. Another one. Wow, look at this. And, well, I don't know what the before was on that one, but... <laughs> So, you know, we have before and after pictures in, in life. We see that even just with, with uh, uh, houses and things like that. They have extreme makeover, home edition and things where you have something that was just terrible and then it's beautiful and things. And we're going to take a look today at a before and after picture. And I want to w- welcome those who are watching online right now around the country and around the world. We are really, really glad that you've uh, joined in with us, that, that our family is your family. And, and so here it is, that there were... There were 11 guys. Okay, there were 11 guys in a garden. And they were, they were uh, running when they, should have been, when they should have been staying with their Savior. They were sleeping when they should have been awake praying. And that's over here. 52 days later, these same guys... You have them not running away from everybody. You have them running to everybody, and you have them boldly proclaiming the name of Jesus. What in the world happened in those 52 days? And then you've got one of those guys. Let's just look at one of them. His name was Peter. And Peter, not only did he run when everybody else ran, but he, he, there was a little servant girl that came up to him, and he, he cussed her out, and he swore to God that he didn't even know who Jesus was. And then 52 days later, that same guy... He is looking at thousands of people, and he said, you killed the Messiah, and he gave an altar call, and 3,000 people came to, came to faith in Christ. What in the world happened to this dude in those 52 days? I want to know what it is. I want to know what transformed those guys from wimps into to warriors. Two things happened. The first thing is they encountered the risen Christ. Easter happened. Okay, the other thing is Pentecost happened, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And those two things transformed these guys from spiritual wimps to spiritual warriors, transformed everything about them. And we're going to take a look at Pentecost today because that's what we celebrate. Today, just just about 2,000 years ago, this very day, we celebrate the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And and I want to talk a little bit about kind of the history of the the, the, uh, outpouring of the Spirit. In the Old Testament, here's what happened. The Holy Spirit would only come on certain people at certain times to accomplish certain things. In other words, example, that would be the Spirit came on Saul, the Spirit came on, uh, on Samson in order to have incredible strength in order to, to defeat the enemy. He gave, came on, on Joseph to give him supernatural wisdom. He came on, on Bazalel, a guy named by the name of Bazalel who gave him supernatural ability to do crafts, which we're going to take a, a, a look at. He came upon uh, many, many people who prophesied in Jesus' name. All the prophets, he'd come on them and, and he'd enable them to speak words on God's behalf. That's what you had in the, in the Old Testament. And then, but Moses didn't like it that way. Moses saw that that would happen and he prayed. He prayed a prayer. He had a wish, he had a dream, he had a prayer. And here's what it is in Numbers eleven twenty nine. Here's what, what Moses said. I wish that all of God's people were prophets and that the Lord would pour his spirit on all of them. Don't miss that. And then, and, and God says, I'm going to answer that prayer. I'm going to answer your prayer, Moses, in the, in the book of Joel. And he says, there's going to come a day where I'm going to pour out my spirit on all people. Here it is. And afterwards, I will pour out my spirit, well, like I said, on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. Don't miss that. 
God's intent, God's dream was for him to pour out his spirit on, on everybody, not just, a, not just a few people. So that's the Old Testament you have. In the New Testament, as soon as John the Baptist makes his way and is there, all of a sudden he says, he sees Jesus for the first time. Remember, he's the one that's coming as the forerunner of Jesus Christ. And the very first time he saw Jesus, he goes this, he said, there's the Lamb of God who t- comes to take away the sin of the world. In other words, Jesus was going to come to die for our sins. But he also said this. He said, there's going to come somebody after me whose thongs of his sandals I'm not even worthy to untie. I baptize you with water, but he's going to baptize you with the Spirit and with fire. In other words, he's saying, look, Jesus is coming for two purposes. He's coming to die for our sins, but he's also coming to baptize us in the, uh, in the Holy Spirit. And and so, you know, there was a, a time when I was, I was dating in college. I remember asking this girl out from Tennessee, and she spoke with this southern accent, and it was real, man, it made my heart go pitter-patter and everything. And, and so she, you know, we, there was a movie on, on campus that was going to be there. It was Gone with the Wind. I still remember the movie. And... And, you know, I'd never seen the movie. She came from the South, so she'd been weaned on the movie, right? From the time she was a little girl, she'd seen it many times. So I, I remember that part in the movie, and when, when Scarlett grabbed the, grabbed the dirt, and she said, as, as God is my witness, I will never be poor again, right? Remember that part? And then, so, and then the lights go on, and I, and I got up, and she said, where are you going? And I said, the movie's over. I usually leave at the end of the movie. Unless you had other things in mind. No, I didn't say that, right? But she goes, so, so, you know, she goes, the movie's not over. It's half over. It's intermission. I said, half over? I came in as a sophomore. I'm a junior now, man. This is a long movie. And so, and so we stayed and watched the rest of the movie. And I would have, if I would have left, I would have only known half the movie, half the story. It was a good story. It was a good part. But I would have learned half the story. Don't miss this. If you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, but you don't know him, you have never experienced the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the filling of the Holy Spirit, according to Jesus Christ, you only know half the story. God has more. God, God, Jesus came for both of those, not only to die for our sins, but also to fill us with his spirit. And then Jesus, I said this before a few weeks ago, on the night he was betrayed, remember, he was about to be killed. He was about to die. This was the last thing he was ever going to talk, the last night he was ever going to talk to his disciples. And when, when you're about to die, the most important things on your heart are the things that come out. And he, we have four chapters of what he talked about. One, he prayed. He spent the whole chapter praying for, for his disciples and then praying for us who would follow. But three of those chapters, he talked about Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit. This is what the Holy Spirit's going to be like. This is his personality. This is what he's going to do for you. So that is the most important thing on Jesus' life. He said this. He said, but I tell you the truth. It is good for you that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the counselor will not uh, come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And then Jesus, after he rose from the dead, he spent a lot of time with the disciples after he'd risen from the dead, and then he was about to leave. So these are the last words of Jesus Christ that we have record of on this, on this earth. Here's half the statement that he said. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Now, there's a lot of stuff here. First of all, I want to say that again. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my Father will give you. Do you understand this? That Jesus said, I'm going to give you a gift. And if Jesus was there today, if he was here today and said, I have a gift for you from the Father, 
What would you do? Would you say, nah, no thanks. Thanks, buddy, but no, no thanks. Or would you go, man, would that be the most cherished gift you've ever received in your life? And God is saying, Jesus is saying, I have a gift for you. It's the Holy, he's the Holy Spirit. I have a gift for you. And so again, if you've never received that, you've never received an incredible gift that Jesus has for you from the Father. And notice this. This was written, this was written to, uh, to, to Christians, Okay, this was written to Christians. In fact, not only was this written to Christians, this was written, he said this to, to his disciples. Not only disciples, he did this to people who had been, he had mentored for three years. Okay, so these are handpicked people from Jesus that he'd been spending time with for three years in discipling, and he says this, you don't have everything you need. In fact, don't do anything. Do not speak in my name. Don't, do, don't pray for people. Don't, don't, don't go out and tell about me at all, because there's something that you're missing. You're missing the Holy Spirit. In order for you to do what I've called you to do, you desperately need the Spirit that I'm about to, to send to you. And then here's the last words of Jesus on this earth. You ready for this? The last words he ever, we ever have record of. And he says this, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the other most parts of the world. Don't miss that. Jesus says the reason he's coming isn't to make you weird. It isn't to split churches. It's to give you power to live the life that God's called you to live. That's the, that's the purpose of God sending the Holy Spirit. And put yourself in their sandals for, for, for a minute. I mean, can you imagine this? Can you imagine that you, you, you're told to wait in an upper room and you're waiting in a room and you don't know what you're waiting for? I mean, you don't know exactly. He's told you some things about him and everything. Here's the only thing you know. You know that, he, that Jesus said he's going to be like him. He's going to be a gift from the Father. He's going to comfort you. He's going to be your advocate. He's going to guide you. He's going to be your counselor. He's going to do all these things for you. But you don't know exactly what's going to come down the pike. And you're just waiting there for, for, for this. Imagine what you're feeling. Imagine what you're going through. And they wait several days for this. And then the, the other thing is too is don't, this is really, really important. According to 1 Corinthians 15, 6, there were over 500 people that witnessed the risen Christ at one time. So we know that, and that's not counting the disciples, so there were at least 512 people that, had, that encountered Jesus at one time. And there were probably a lot more than that. And Jesus says, okay, I want you to wait for the promise of the Holy Spirit. And how many people were in the upper room that night? They, 120. 513? 120. 513 people had encountered Jesus, but only 120 were pressing into what Jesus, the gift that Jesus said was going to come. That's less than 24% as far as my, my statistics, my adding that up. And, and think of that. And let me ask you this question. Let's get this personal. Which would you be? If you were there, if you were one of the disciples in those days, and, and Jesus said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to send the Holy Spirit, would you be the 380 or whatever that were just, okay, cool. Or would you be one of the 120 that were pressing in for more of God, more of God, more of God, everything that God had, including the gift that God had to, to offer? Which one would, would you be in? And think of this. It says, when the day of Pentecost came, they, the 120, were all together in one place. And let's talk about Pentecost for a moment, the word, because for some of you, because of your denominational background or maybe a bad experience or something, the word Pentecost or Pentecostal has a bad connotation to you. But let's break it down. What does penta mean? Penta means five, right? Uh, a pentagon is uh, something with five sides. A, a, a pentathlon is, is an event with, with five events in, in it. And so, so it just means five. Cost means to the 10th power. So literally, Pentecost literally means five to the 10th power or 50. Really scary, right? It just means 50. 
And here's the thing that we have is, is there were, there were, I'm going to talk about three major events, major uh, celebrations in, in the Jewish faith. And one of them was, was Passover. Passover is where they celebrated where the angel of death passed over the, the door frames that had the blood of the lamb on it and spared the, the Israelites' life. Then you had a, a, the first day of the week after Passover, you had first fruits. And this is where they celebrated new beginnings, a, 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 whole, new, a whole new way of life. And then after that, 50 days after, after first fruits was the day of Pentecost. That's the word, that's where Pentecost came from, the celebration 50 days after that. Now watch what Jesus did. Jesus changed all these things to make it uh, come alive for us today. And instead of it just being Passover for the blood of, the, of a lamb that was 2,000 years ago or 4,000 you know, 4, years ago at that time, he's saying, I'm the blood of the lamb. And my blood is going to pay for your sins. That when, the, when, the, when, when God's wrath comes, comes, when he sees the blood, uh, his blood on us, then he's, not gonna, he's going to pass over and we don't face the wrath of God. But then two days later, we celebrate new beginnings too. What is that? That was Easter, right? This is Good Friday. This is Easter. And then 50 days after that is, the, uh, is Pentecost where God poured out his spirit. Do you, know, uh, do you know, here's why we celebrate, uh, why we celebrate on Sunday rather than on Saturday. Our Jewish forefathers and, and things, the people who have come before us, where well, we celebrate the same heritage, they worship on Saturday. That's their Sabbath. Our Sabbath is on Sunday. Why the difference? Because Jesus Christ rose from the dead on Sunday and the Spirit was poured out, which was the birth of the church, so we celebrate on Sunday, if you've ever wanted to know why, why that happens. And, and so put yourself uh, in that, in that uh, situation. Here it is. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. In other words, there was unity, a lot of unity. The, um, the King James says they were all in one accord, which some people believe that's the first encounter of, of Honda automobiles in the Bible. Sorry about that. And then, <laughs> so wherever there, that was, that was grown, it gets it out, get it. And then it says this, suddenly a sound like a blowing of a mighty uh, violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. I want you to imagine yourself there. And you don't know what you're waiting for. You don't know and all of a sudden you hear... And you're looking around, and it's just a sound. There is no wind, but you hear the sound of a wind. The drapes are just sitting there, and you're hearing the sound of a mighty wind. And then all of a sudden, you're looking at all your friends, and they had this flaming tongue on side of them, on top of them. And, you know, I always wondered, I wonder if you could see it on yourself, you know? I wondered if, if you looked up and there it was there, or if, it, or if it moved, you know, when you looked up, and it'd be like that, you know, like a little kid with a hat on or something like that. I don't know which one it was, but I mean, here's the thing that I want to say is I guarantee you none of them were expecting this. I mean, if you would have interviewed them the day before and said, what are you expecting? I guarantee you not one of them would have said, you know, I'm expecting this wind to come or this sound of a wind and, and, and then I, all of a sudden, you know, flaming tongues on everybody's head. I guarantee you nobody expected that whatsoever. And then... But here's the thing, too. There were 120 different people there, right? 120 people. How many different personalities were there? 120, right? 
And probably they experienced this the way you and I would experience this because our personalities are different. And really, you can almost put down into, into three categories. And there would have been probably about a third of them that would have been, man, you know, they're going, this is awesome. This is the coolest thing ever, man. This is so, and they're bumping, bumping fists and they're, you know, chest bumping and giving high fives. This is the coolest thing I've ever seen in my life. And then there's probably about a third of them, probably about 40 that were going, well, this is different, but man, it is kind of cool, isn't it? This is kind of weird, but it's different. And then you probably have a third of them, about 40 going, all right, this is way out of my comfort zone. This is weird, right? But here's the, and because here's the thing too, is if, if the Holy Spirit showed up in the same way today, in this room right now, for those who are online watching this, the chances are a third of us would be going, oh, this, this is so cool. This is so awesome. And then you'd have probably a third of the people going, all right, well, this is, this is different, but man, this is kind of neat. And you'd probably have a third going, all right, this is freaking me out. This is just totally freaking me out, right? And so, and let me ask you this, which one would you fit in? Okay, because that's just your personality. That's okay. That's the way God made us, where some of us are just all over it and some of us are, are you know, take, it takes a while longer. But here's the thing that I, I want to point out, that every one of them, no matter there were 120 different personalities, not one of them went, all right, I'm out of here. Every one of them received the gift that God had. Every one of them said, said this. Because let me ask you this. Were they, were they all probably, at, was, was probably all of them out of their comfort zone from one, de, one degree to another? Absolutely. But, but then they all, they all stayed. They were all there. They were all, not one of them, not one of them left. Every single one of them. Let me ask you this. Was it of God? Was it what happened of God? Absolutely. Then here's the thing. What does that tell you and me? What does that tell us when God does things outside of our comfort zone? What will we do? Because it's not if God does things out of our comfort zone, it's when, isn't it? Because I don't know about the the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit that you serve, but the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit that I serve almost never does things the way I expect. Almost always does things outside, a lot of times does things out of my comfort zone. Will always do things 10 times better than I could have ever dreamed or imagined, but it's usually a way different way than than the ways I, I expected it. And here's a a reminder too, and this is something, prior to this, the only time they'd ever experienced the Holy Spirit or heard about that in their lifetime was when the Holy Spirit came on Jesus in the form of a what? A dove. A dove, a quiet, peaceful dove. And now he's coming, bam, shang, alanga, in the form of fire, okay? In other words, he can come any way he wants, right? And there's, so, so both of those were of God. And there's some people that maybe say, you're in here and you experience, the only way you've experienced the Holy Spirit is like a dove. And you're going, you know, that's the way God always shows up. The Holy Spirit always shows up. And some of you have gone, no, man, I've experienced the, the, the bam, shang, alang of things. And he shows up as a fire. Can we see that God shows up both ways and he shows up any way that he, he wants to there? Jesus said the same one that comes as the comforter also comes as the, the one with power. And the, the word for, wind, for the spirit in Hebrew is the word ruach, okay? And it can be translated spirit or it can be translated wind. And the same thing in the, in the New Testament that's in the Greek, uh, the word for spirit can be, tra- its name is it's pneuma, and it can be translated spirit or it can be translated wind, and really, that's beautiful because the spirit and the wind, you know, are very similar in some ways because you can't see the, the wind, can you? And you can't see the spirit. 
but you can see the effects and the results of the, the wind, and you can see and experience the results of, of the Spirit. You can't control the wind. You can't control the Spirit. You can harness this, the wind's power. You can harness the Spirit's power. And you can't say to the, the wind, this is how you have to show up and this is how you have to do things. You can't say that to the wind and you can't say that to the Spirit. In fact, the Spirit constantly and is always showing up in different ways in the Bible. In the book of Acts, which is the story of the church, of the New Testament church, after Jesus uh, rose from the dead, which is really what we're supposed to be about. That's a kind of a textbook of how God wants us to operate. Uh, he, he shows up different ways. I mean, we we have Acts chapter 2. He shows up, tongues of fire, wind, all this, freaky bam shangalang of things. And then, but later on in, in chapter 2, uh, they said, what must we do to be saved? And Peter says this, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll receive the Holy Spirit. In other words, it sounds like he comes as a, as a result of, uh, of uh, salvation, that, G, that he, the Spirit comes along with that. But then also in, in, chapter, in chapter 4, the same people who were filled in chapter 2 are now filled again in chapter 4. And it sounds like, okay, why do they need to be refilled? Maybe we leak, right? Maybe we leak. Maybe the world just knocks the snot out of us and we, just, and we need the Spirit not just a one-time thing, but on a regular basis. Chapter 8 in the, in the book of Acts, the Holy Spirit came when Peter and John laid their hands on the, on the believers. In chapter 9, the Spirit came when, when Ananias prayed for Paul, who be, Saul, who became Paul, and the Spirit uh, fell on him then. But then in chapter 10, you've got Peter's preaching a message to Gentiles, Gentiles for heaven's sakes, and all of a sudden the Spirit falls on them just like the Spirit fell on the people in the 120. Uh, and then also then in, in Acts chapter 19, you have the church at Ephesus that they believed in Jesus Christ and that's all they experienced. And they said, they mentioned the Holy Spirit and said, we don't even know about the Holy Spirit. And they laid on hands on them and they were filled with the, with the Spirit. Do you ever get the feeling that God wants to show up any way He wants to? And we can't put him in a box and we can't say he's a formula. And the Holy Spirit is saying, I'll do what I want and I'll show up when I want and you can harness my power if you want or you don't have to. And, and notice this, that although the spirit or the wind comes whenever it wants to and everything, wind will always go from a high pressure system to a low pressure system, won't it? In other words, there's environments that are more conducive to wind than others. There are also environments that are more conducive to receiving the Holy Spirit and experiencing the Holy Spirit than others. I'll tell you some of the reason, way the Holy Spirit loves to be. He loves to be where there's unity. He loves to be where there's worship. You know, today I believe he showed up because he loves when the name of Jesus is lifted up. He loves when the word of God is opened up, when the word of God, he loves the word of God, so he'll open up. And I'll tell you where he really shows up. It's when there's an open, expecting heart that says, come Holy Spirit, come into my life, fill my life today, lead me, guide me, empower me, Holy Spirit, come in, fill me afresh and anew. That's when he goes, man, it's like a high pressure system to low pressure system. He goes, man, that's what I've been waiting for right there. And, uh, and I don't know about you, I am really, really glad the Holy Spirit comes in both ways. I am really glad that he comes as a dove and he comes as fire because there's times I need him as, as a dove, right? I mean, anybody else relate to me that there's just times I need that comfort. I need the comfort that he brings. I just need the Holy Spirit to give me that, that assurance that everything's gonna be okay, that he comforts me in the midst of my trial, in the midst of the, the struggle. But there's times where the dove won't do. 
There's times where I need, man, I need fire. I need him to come and open up a can on the enemy who's coming against me. There's times that I need him to, to come as a, as a gentle breeze, right, of that gentle wind that refreshes and that cools off. And, and, but I also need him sometimes to come as a hurricane and he breaks down the, the, the character problems in my life and things like that. And he comes and, and destroys things that are, that are destroying me. I need both of those. And I thank God that he doesn't come as a, as a formula. Another thing is sometimes, don't miss this, sometimes he comes very orderly and sometimes he comes less than orderly, right? An example of this in the background, I want to take a look at a story in the, in the Old Testament. There's this guy by the name of Bazalel. Now, a little background on this, that God is giving Moses this, this precise details of how, to do, of how to make the tabernacle. The tabernacle was basically the travel, a traveling temple in those days as the children were in the, uh, the, the wilderness. And so, so he's giving them this, these precise details. And then the Spirit of God comes upon a man by the name of Bazalel for a purpose. Watch what the purpose was. Then the Lord said to Moses, See, I've chosen Bazalel, son of Uri, the son of Hur, the son of uh, the tribe of Judah, and I have filled him with the Spirit of God. Here's the reason. With skill, ability, and knowledge of all kind of crafts. Wait a second. The Holy Spirit comes to fill you with, to be able to do crafts? To make artistic designs for work in gold, silver, and bronze, to cut and set the stones, to work in wood, and to engage in all kinds of craftsmanship. The he came on him in order for him to do crafts for some very specific things. Just look at just one little section of that. Have them make the chest of acacia wood, two and a half cubits long, a cubit and a half wide, and a cubit and a half high. Overlay it with pure gold, both inside and out, and make the gold molding around it. Cast four gold rings for it and, and fasten to the four, four feet and two rings on one side and two on the other. And he goes on and on and on and on about these precise details. Now, now, contrast that with what we just read with the day of Pentecost. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place Suddenly. I like that suddenly. I mean, but here, understand this, that the Spirit of God came both things with the details, precise details, and he came with the uh, and suddenlies that they were, that was completely outside of the details and completely outside of what they expected. And I love that God operates in both of those. He operates in the details. And let me, let me just look at just one way that we're talking about there. Uh, you know, we had some missionaries come uh, first service, uh, Randy and Becky Coates, who they gave a report of what God has been doing in their, in their ministry. And, and they went from, uh, in the last just few years, they've gone from planting 46 churches to 80 churches in Africa. Is that not a cool thing? And I want you to know Crosswords was the very first people that started to, the very first church that, that, uh, that partnered with them. And we've been partnering with them for 20 years as, as things. So I want you to know that, that, that some of your money uh, every week goes to plant churches around the world. And also for the people are, are starving to death there. They are dying of thirst. They are dying of malnutrition. And, and when, when, uh, when uh, Sub-Sahara Africa is in a drought, it is a major, major, major drought. And something that we have helped do too is we've made, uh, helped make uh, some wells for them so that the people can even stay alive so they can hear about Jesus. 1.2 million people that are in this people group and still nine out of 10 have never heard the name of Jesus Christ before in their life. I want you to know the, the flags that you see around you. This is the, kind of the first day we kind of put them out and everything. These flags are really important because they represent the countries, all 50 of them, that we have either uh, planted missionaries or supported missionaries or sent missionaries. So that's kind of neat. Is that not neat too? 
So again, one-tenth of everything you give goes immediately to missions to make a difference in the, in the world. But I remember the first time I ever went on missions as a pastor. I'd been asked from a, from a, a pastor in, uh, in Brazil to come and join him and to preach in Brazil and to do some, some crusades in, in, in Brazil. And, and so I just felt this, I felt this yes in my heart from the Holy Spirit. I just felt this gentle yes, 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 you're supposed to go there. So I wrote uh, out some, uh, some support letters and for several weeks and then I got the money that I, that I needed to go. It was $1,500. And then so then, uh, but then the day that we were, had to have the money raised, okay, the very day, six hours before the money was due, one of my friends came up to me and he goes, oh man, he said, God woke me up in the middle of the night and he said, I'm supposed to go on this trip. And I'm like, couldn't God have told you this, you know, two months ago and said, I mean, how are we at $1,500 in just a matter of a, of a few hours, bro? And I said, all right, we'll see, you know, and I, so I said to the church, I said, you know, he, Tim feels like he's supposed to go on this, on this trip and we need a miracle. And a guy came up to me after the service, and mind you, he is barely believing in God. He does not, he's never, does not have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. He goes, he goes man, uh, God woke me up in the middle of the night and told me I'm supposed to bring some money to, to church today. And he said, I got your miracle. And he handed me 15 $100 bills there. Now imagine this. Imagine this, what, did, what this did to every single person there. Imagine what it did to my friend Tim who all of a sudden said yes to God, and he's going, how is this going to happen? God, I'll do it, but man, this ain't going to work out. And, and God provided within six hours of everything that he needed. What do you think it did to this, this, this guy who was the, even a Christian at the time, and God wakes him up, and he realized at the moment that, that he's heard from God, and, and he's an answer to, to prayer, and he's an answer to a miracle. He's the, you know, the, the one where a miracle comes from in that can you imagine? And only about two weeks later, he received Jesus as his Lord and Savior. Imagine what it did to me, too, because I'm realizing this. I'm realizing God is in the little details of the, of the gentle, quiet spirit of going, go on the mission trip, go on the mission trip, and the, wake you up in the middle of the night and perform the miracle to make that happen. And he's in all of, all, all of those things. You know, one time when we'd go on mission trips, one thing we would see all the time is you have to plan. You have to have that plan in detail. If, if you did not have the people gifted by the Holy Spirit to do the planning and the administration, and the leadership and all that, it would never take place. But if you did not have the, 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 the end suddenlies, it wouldn't even be worth going on the trip for because all it would be just this in a box things and, and God so much works outside of the box. And here's, I love our, our missionary uh, or head of missions, Nancy Friend, because she has this incredible passion. She's so great at doing the details, but she's all so great at, at, at experiencing the end suddenlies of the Holy Spirit. I've heard people say that if you do a lot of planning before you go on a mission trip, that you're not allowing the Holy Spirit to move freely. I don't agree with that because I believe that God has plans. I believe that spending time with God before you go allows Him to reveal His plans for the people He's sending you to minister to. Your daily schedule is likely to change, but God's plan for sharing His message will not. I found that the Holy Spirit moves in every detail of a mission trip from the meetings with the missionaries about the ministry they need help with, to the publicizing of the trip to the church, to the people saying, yes, I will go, to the Holy Spirit working in the hearts of people to give financially or commit to pray, and in the planning of the schedule. God reveals His plan with every step in the preparation process. I'm a firm believer in equipping people for ministry. Each person needs to be prepared to share the good news of Christ and the hope that He offers attending the mission team meetings to learn about the culture where you're going, 
how to write and share your testimony, and how to lead someone to Christ prepares you to be used by God. The Holy Spirit guides each team member as they write out their testimony about what they should share about their own life experiences that the people in the room will relate to. And then He empowers them to speak boldly about how God faithfully met them at their point of need. In the summer of 2000, I went on a mission trip to Brazil. I was asked to speak in an outdoor event where there were over a thousand people there. I was painfully shy and terrified of public speaking. In the moments before I went on stage, I cried out to God and told Him that I was willing to do for Him what He was asking. If He would speak through me, I trusted Him and I stepped out on the stage. God took over. I spoke with a boldness from the Holy Spirit and gave a powerful message. My life has not been the same since. The Holy Spirit has continued to empower me to do things I could never do on my own. I recognize that I must be sensitive to the leading of the Holy Spirit in every detail that I plan. I have complete faith that God's plans for us are good and that He will never leave me. I expect the Holy Spirit to move in ways I could never imagine. So I look forward to what He's going to do next. Amen. Can I just um, share kind of the way, uh, the way God speaks to me even on messages? Now, usually six months to a year in advance, God puts something in my heart of, uh, of you know, speaking on things. In other words, I'm working on sermons right now, uh, but I'm also working on sermons six months from now that God's just percolating and usually I'll have 100 to 200 pages of notes for, for something that are, that's coming down the, the line. But, but he also, so there's that planning. But there's also, he changes it every time. I mean, he just, he just goes out of his way, it seems like, to, to change it up. And so like an example of that, I, I thought I was going to do a, a, a message or two on angels. And then last fall, and then there's the whole thing on, on the uh, spiritual warfare. Then this time, I thought it was just going to be a few weeks on how the Holy Spirit uh, spoke to us and how, how he led us. And things, and it's led on to this, you know, this whole, this whole series here, and it's just gone more and more. We haven't even gotten to the how he, he leads us yet. But then also, here's what I love. I love sitting down and writing sermons because I feel, oh man, it's, it's, it's amazing time for me. I feel God's presence. I feel his anointing. I feel him whispering to me. There's things that just come to my heart and things that I couldn't, that I couldn't do, and I just, and I just feel that. But then also there's the times that, uh, like usually like the night before, like last night, there's things that God gives me that I didn't have on, on there. And every time I stand up to preach, there's something that I preach in one message that I didn't preach in the other that just comes at that time. I hope it's from God. I believe it's from God. Then there's times that you know that sometimes I'll say, I really believe, believe there's somebody here or online or something that has this going on in their life. And it's very specific. And I've only had like once or twice in all the dozens and dozens and dozens of times I've done that, that people didn't come up and go, that was absolutely straight for me and things. And so I love that God can work in the planning and I love that he works way outside of the planning and does the and suddenlies. And I love that in the worship design team, uh, Mike is incredible at, at the details and keeping us all together and all that. And then we have, we have people who are good at the details. We also have people that are good at creativity. We also have people that are, you know, and what we love is we, we need, know there needs to be a plan. Otherwise, there's just going to be chaos in here. But we also, it's our hope and our dream and our prayer every time that God does some unsettlings, that God is in your life, speaking in your life. And I want you to know there's people. There's people who pray before you ever get in here. Last night, there's people that prayed over every seat. 
and prayed for you. There's people this morning, before you ever got here, there's people that are praying for you in the seat that you're, you're in right, right now because you know what they want? They want Aunt Suddenly's. They want more than just the planning, but God speaking to you as an individual. And God, that you come out of here a different person. And the people who are watching online, that you're a different person because you've, you've listened to this message than you were before you, you, you started. We pray for those end suddenly. And, and here's the thing that we know is, is God is in the details. The Holy Spirit can work in those details. And there's some of you that that's where you thrive. You're good at that. You're great at the creativity. You're great at the, at the detail part and the administration part. And that's your, that's your sweet spot. And then there's others of you in here that, man, your sweet spot is the end suddenly. You love that. Man, you love the prayer. You love the who. You love to pray for people. You love to see the miracles you love. And really, a lot of times we have, but can you see that we need both? And it's not an either or, it's a both and. That God comes as the dove and God comes as the, as the fire and God wants to do both of that in your life. God wants to come as the dove and the fire in your life, in your family and in this church. And, and also the thing is that the same spirit that poured himself out around 2,000 years ago this very day is the same spirit that wants to pour himself out in your life today and in this church today. And if we could stand one moment. And the altar is going to be open, and I'm going to be the first one down here because this is what it is, that we can say, God, maybe you've never experienced the Holy Spirit and you just want to, maybe just a, a, a posture of God receive you, or maybe it's just that, uh, maybe you're just saying, I want fresh flames of the Spirit, just like the guys that they got refilled in chapter four that were in chapter two, I want to be refilled. But maybe, here's what God, again, that I'm saying God comes, the Holy Spirit comes to those, the high pressure system, the low pressure system to say, God, I welcome you. And not just a one-time thing, but every day of my life. But I'm down here because I'm saying, I want fresh flames of your spirit. And if that's you, just join me and then we'll pray.